Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah! Yeah, all right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. I know, you got to do it, man. I'm in a lobby. Freaking scaring people. Uh, Albuquerque, getting ready for New Mexico, hosting UNLV. John Von Tobel's down at Treasure Island. Stop on in. 55-plus TVs. You got the uh, sports betting kiosks there open 24-7. Awesome sports memorabilia from uh, Mr. Ruffin's personal uh, collection, and it is Treasure Island free parking. That means uh, free self-parking, free valet, and that's unheard of. On the strip, back in the Finley Toyota Studios, Damon is with us. All right, John, let's get into the football frenzy here to start off the 5 o'clock hour, and then we're going to sit down with uh, Caleb Herring, who just got to town with the Rebel football team. I said football, but I actually have – we're going to tie this all together. I actually have to start out with – and I always like to do a disclaimer because John really comes off as a hater. Right. <laughs> well, because you've you're in the age group, and so is Demon, that is constantly getting beat upon as pansies, wimps, no work ethic, and you have to hear back in my day stuff all the time. Right, my generation. This, I think Dusty Baker said something that is very illuminating about why he walked away. Did you see this? No. He blamed bloggers and tweeters as to why he walked away okay. at 74 years old. Tired of the scrutiny, huh? He's tired of the scrutiny. This, the reason I love this is it completely flies in the face, and it's only one person in that age group, right? The boomer age group. But basically a boomer who reps a group that constantly tells us below them age-wise that we're wimps and we have no backbone and these generations are soft. Wait, bloggers and tweeters forced a very good baseball player and an all-time, well, a very good manager. I'm not going to say all-time. A legend of baseball. They forced him to walk because of the mean things they said and wrote? Are we serious? Um, so there's a couple of things here. First off, that's really weak if that's honestly the reason why you left. Right? You're, you should take it as a compliment, to be quite honest, if we're talking about being scrutinized the way that you are because people expect a lot of you and your team. You are considered a good manager. You are considered to be a good club. So when you do things incorrectly things don't go right you are going to be scrutinized because a lot is expected of you every year also when you're talking about the bloggers the tweeters all of that kind of i'm willing to i'm willing to guess steve that the demographic of both the people who watch major league baseball and the people who cover major league baseball are probably pretty close so like if you want to go with these all these youths and them they're criticizing me i mean you might want to look at who's covering your sport. 
Yeah, he was on with the podcast with uh, Ernie and, and Chuck, right? Yeah. Barkley, who also always has things to say about younger generations, uh, which irks me, and I'm like three years younger than Barkley because he sounds like he's 80, and I don't feel like I'm 80. Baker said criticism from, quote, 30-year-olds. Bloggers and tweeters played a role in his decision. This is crazy. But I'm going to back him up a little bit on this point. Because he said we had a lot of success here. Uh, then the last couple of months uh, here weren't very pleasant uh, because we weren't 10 games ahead. You spoil people. They think you're supposed to win every year running away, and it's not like that. Uh, there's a whole bunch of criticism from 30-year-olds and bloggers and tweeters. Here's what needs to happen. This note needs to be handed out to everyone who is 50-plus who is constantly talking about a soft generation of athletes. What Dusty is telling you, and he is right, playing sports today at the highest level is harder than it's ever been. Hell, doing radio is only for the thick-skinned. Being a columnist for a newspaper is only for the thick-skinned. Because the generations before me... They didn't get any of this. So that's why Dusty at 74 is like, what the hell is this? I only had to read, you know, a local columnist getting on me when I played for the Dodgers. Yeah, it's a firestorm now, which means it's harder than ever to play professional sports and exceed and shut out the outside noise and not get derailed by all of the criticism. So I'm, I'm tired of hearing how everyone now is soft. No, they're actually tougher than you. We brought this up before. I don't know what Michael Jordan would have been. If people didn't hide his secrets in the media, mm-hmm. if there were cameras out tracking him all over the place when he was gambling or stooping the 50 women he did on the side, allegedly, um, it's a whole different world now. And, and, and it's always why I will put an extra feather on the cap of LeBron James. What LeBron has had to deal with as one of the biggest athletes in the U.S. is beyond what any of these guys have felt. And you've now just had a former professional athlete and a 74-year-old manager who's been on the job for 20 years say, I can't handle this. I'm too soft. Could you imagine if a player retired with some years left in their career and the reason that they gave out was that I didn't like the mean tweets? Can you imagine the people in Dusty Baker's age range that would go after him or her and just be like, you pansy, deal with it. Yeah. But here we go. Like like you said, it's be, it's because that's the way this works, right? It it's yeah. hey, not what is the what is the phrase, you know, not for not for what's good for thee, not for me, whatever it is. Same thing, man. It, it's so funny how you can turn a blind eye when it affects you and how nobody, nobody would cri- dare criticize Dusty Baker for saying these comments. But God forbid I Alex will. Bregman came out in like a month and oh, Bregman yeah. was like, "Man, I just I don't like it, man. I don't like getting criticized every day. I don't like the tweets. And I would add too, Steve, when it comes to the mm-hmm. criticisms of managers from tweeters, whatever. We as a collective have watched sports now for a while, and the fans of whatever it is, and I'll throw baseball in there, know a lot more than fans used to. And so, not only do the criticism probably irritate you, they probably irritate you because they're probably right. Because there's a lot of educated people out there that love their sport. And know exactly what they're talking about when they criticize you for the things that you do. And you don't yeah. like to hear it. Did you, um, behind the scenes, I sent you a, a radio thread. 
about New York Sports Talk Radio at WFAN, and a guy named Greg Giannotti was part of kind of a whole crew on WFAN that told Carl Banks to basically get the hell out. Then they, they softened it a little bit to try to get him back, and then Banks was like, I'm not doing it. Carl Banks is a all-time you know, giant legend. And there was a thread started with how much worse Sports Talk Radio is than it was in the 80s and 90s. And it, was the, it absolutely was a back-in-my-day thread about how great it was back then. And I started asking some people, because I'm of the age, that's what I grew up on. And I know what I listen to, and I know even more now what I was listening to. And I asked some of the people, I'm like, who are all these awesome people that you listen to back in the 80s and 90s? So I got one answer from one person. The guy who did the thread couldn't even bother to answer me. But people, people are better now than they've ever been, right, in terms of sports analysis. Uh, this overall product is more entertaining than it's ever been because I don't think a lot of the people who used to do this in the past could actually do anything but talk sports. I think they would crap themselves if they had to talk about everything else going on in their lives. Uh, but it was another one of those back in my day thing. And I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a tweener. I'm old, but I'm not. And, and I also want to say to the audience, when you hear us do this, I don't dislike everyone who's in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. But what, what I've been around most closely, John, is my parents aren't whiny back in my day people. Um, my, we'll say, you know, father and mother-in-law, even though I'm not married, but I've been around them for whatever it is now, 12 years. They're not back in my day whiners. Like, they've kept up with the times. So when I hear other people in the age group, I'm like, I know it's not all of you. I know all of you don't think this way. Um, and I'll just say, to get even more serious, like, it, it does stink getting old. Like, you do feel weaker and, uh, you know, and everything's passing you by and you can't keep up. And I, I understand it. I get it. So I don't want to be overly mean on this, but when I saw Dusty say this, I was like, good. Dusty just said, basically, today is a really tough time to play sports, and the criticism is rough. Yep. But it won't go that way. It won't be taken that way. And that's, that's no. the brutal part about this. No. And can I say, too, I, I do think that when, when you're talking about what happened over there in New York with WFAN and those guys as well, you know, part of what I think is the evolution here, too, is we don't need, and this ties into what I've been talking about with the Raiders, I don't need team rep spinning positive from what I'm watching. I am watching this with my eyes. I know right. what I'm watching. So I don't need former player affiliated with team to come on and tell me that everything's sunshine and puppy dogs and rainbows. No, it's not. It's okay to say what is happening is wrong and unacceptable. You should fix it. And it goes back to what we're talking about with Dusty Baker. Because, right, you can't handle the fact that there are people saying what is going on is not okay and unacceptable and we should fix it. And so now you got to leave. Okay. Uh, and the funny thing is, um, I mean, going back to Dabo Sweeney flipping out for five minutes over some anonymous caller, Trey in Spartanburg. Tyler. Like how, like how weak. Get it right. What is it? Tyler. Oh, Tyler. I keep saying it's Trey. Um, how weak did that make him look? So like you want all the adulation and all the money you can handle, but when things are a little bit down and you set expectations and people come at you, oh, that's it, man. Now I'm going to take personal shots at old coaches like Danny Ford. I'm going to talk about how I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread at Clemson. Like, what are you doing, dude? The other, there's a theory that Tyler was a plant. That Tyler was actually that – da, that Dabo sw- set it up so that he could rattle off all the great things that he's done for this program <laughs> so he could oh. tell people. <laughs> he was ready to do it, wasn't he? Yep, he was. He, he knew he exactly got, what he wanted to do. He got so demeaning. DeMond got all upset about uh, hearing about all his degrees and all his success, right? You were a little bit jealous. I was jealous. I, 
Look, I'll say this when it comes to Dabo too, in the world yeah. of criticism and whatnot, bro, you you better you better do some inward looking and, and reevaluating because yeah. teams have passed you by because you have been so stubborn and stuck in your ways. It's like we're built on NIL, but we're built in the name, image, and likeness of God and Jesus Christ. Like, no, you need to be built in NIL. Get Toyota in here, all right? I don't need the Lord. I need Toyota to come in here and give our boys some free Tacomas so we can actually get this thing back in shape. Has someone given him that speech? We don't need the Lord. We need Toyotas. Yes. <laughs> unless unless your Lord is going to make it rain money from the sky, get some cars. Hey, Kyle Whittingham has a, a Utah roster that is falling apart with injury. But you know what I know? They were 6-2, and two, and every one of them got a free truck. And they're yeah. balling every single week. <laughs> they <are. laughs> the, the extra level of motivation they need. Listen to the passion from John. Listen to the passion here. Um, you know, it was just a, a few short years ago when a, a wise old radio guy had a discussion with John about where college football was and where it was going with NIL and the transfer portal. And quarterbacks moving all over the country and that things would get more balanced it would be really crazy and when we have a playoff it's going to be the ultimate and then i get a note today from john boy he's bought in john you are very down on the nfl and very high on college football yeah i'm talking about product of like like product on the field though i'm not talking about uh, this alleged parody that you're talking about let's see uh you know i'm glad we've gotten rid of the blue bloods we don't have guys like uh, teams like ohio state georgia michigan dominating the rankings right we've got teams like ohio state georgia and michigan dominate oh wait it's the same thing it's the same who who, I, the, who uh who made the final four last year i don't remember who did tcu and kansas state who won who made it the year before wait no kansas Dude. state did not make the final four last year whatever they were one short the uh <laughs> that's it kind of a big difference Facts don't matter but it, but that's it's progress but it's not like progress. There's, there's, Steve, yes it the is. last time I saw TCU last year, I turned the game off for the second quarter because they were getting absolutely demolished. Right. In in the final. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't the case. They weren't even sniffing the final a couple of years ago. It doesn't doesn't happen overnight. But anyway, go let's go with why you're fired up about college and right now for the NFL, you're like, what well, what's happening? Because that, that's that's my thing here is so as somebody too who enjoys like the NBA, right? And everybody likes to point and laugh, like, oh, you you watch regular season NBA? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like last night, I had the sound and the big screen on Magic and Jazz. You want to know why? Because I'm not watching Will Levis and Kenny Pickett allegedly play quarterback in a primetime game. Like what? With the quality of play that you watch every week, the NFL has you brainwashed into thinking that this is a quality product. I, I, these games are not entertaining. The, the quality of play. And look, I watch it every week, so I'm not going to say that I'm better than anybody. I watch it. But to sit here and act like what we've been watching these last, especially at this time of the year, it's it's ugly. It's not great. Aesthetically, you get like three or maybe three games that are aesthetically appealing and fun to watch. Some of this is just really poor play that you're watching every single week. How is this like? How is it something that you're watching and sitting back and going, "Yeah, I'm satisfied. This is this is fantastic. This is this quality is mwah. This is exactly what yep. I'm looking for when I watch football. That's why when I watch college, like, look, at least you know they're bad." And the bad leads to ridiculous 70-yard touchdown runs and 55 to 40 and whatever it is. Like, at least you get some entertainment from it. But, like, this this league at times is so bad to watch. And we're going to get guys like Jaron Hall and Taylor Heineke and Aiden O'Connell starting games this weekend. And everybody's going to act like it's the greatest thing since Swiss cheese. And I don't, I don't understand why. 
I like sliced bread. I, I know. I wanted to go with something different. We, <laughs> you always go with sliced bread. Will Levis did make a couple good throws last night, I just want to say. How many points did they score? OC should have called some better plays, if you ask me. <laughs> well, but you did see his, his inexperience down the stretch on that sure. final drive. And Will he was Levis, deer in the headlights. Yeah, and he could eventually be good, right? It's not like specifically with him, but it's just, you know, like the total yesterday was 37. And that's not because you're getting two paint-swapping defenses going at it. No, it's because you're getting two inadequate offenses that are taking the field, and it's going to be like pulling teeth. And congrats on the opening drive for the Steelers. Everything after that was a giant fart, and it wasn't good. What did uh, Commanders play the Patriots? What did you think of the rumors middle of the week from Florio and PFT that the Commanders may want to kick the tires on Belichick and make a trade for him? I think it's shocking that the Commanders haven't watched a game for the New England Patriots this year. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I drop in real quick here before you even start to shred Belichick? Your guy Lombardi, oh, man, a what couple happened? of days ago, it might have been yesterday, um, it was Mike Palm and Stormy and Lombardi, and, and I, I know Palm knows what he's doing. He's a pretty savvy guy. And... He throws out the, hey, the commanders might be interested in Belichick. And Mike Lombardi, without hesitation, is like, well, who wouldn't be? I mean, he's the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> and, he, you know, it's, it's a little bit down right now. But, you know, Shula had some down years. Like, Mike, it's a little more than just one down year here. Right. The transition to a new quarterback hasn't been made. He's not efficient in the draft. He's not efficient with personnel in free agency. We're not crushing the guy, but it's a legit question. At this age and without Tom Brady, is he really attractive in a trade that, or for a team that is not ready-made where he can walk in and most of the personnel is already set? Correct. That's my biggest thing. I, I actually think if you were to tell me the Washington Commanders would get Bill Belichick, but the caveat would be your head coach and only head coach we will have a GM that sets the roster and gets the personnel. I'd be down. I think that Bill Belichick still is a very good coach in terms of game plan and preparation. But I think that we have, as I keep saying, the growing list of evidence that when it comes to evaluating player personnel, specifically on offense, there are more misses than hits. And that when you have a guy like Tom Brady, he can maximize a lot of what you bring in. But when he's not there to raise the floor of your offense – then you see what you get with this team currently, which is a very, very poor offense with a lot of questions at multiple skill positions. So if you tell me he's just coach, I'm in. Give it a shot. But if you tell me that he is, you know, everything, where what's the what's the Bill Parcells thing? Where he's going to go shopping and cooking? Right. No, yep. can't do it. I think John sits out at Treasure Island. We're going to, uh, at the set here, we're going to hook up with uh, Caleb Herring, preview UNLV in New Mexico a little bit more, and then we'll close it out at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Back here on Cofield and Company. Oh, I'm in, huh? All right. Yeah. Sorry. You know what he communicates with me. What's up, everybody? Yeah, back here on Cofield and <laughs> Company. Live from Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. At TI, I assume technical difficulties. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to bring our audience in behind the scenes. I went around the corner, bought a Lunchable at the great gift shop here at Treasure Island and uh, had a mouthful of ham and cheddar because I was told that uh, Steve was going to be talking to Caleb here. So I apologize. How are you eating it? Do you make it as a sandwich or do you do it the um, 
the new correct way. All right, I'm glad you brought this up. So about, and yes, by the way, I am 32 and I still eat Lunchables. There's no shame in that. Um, so in my young years, I would do sandwich. So it would be like cracker, like meat, cheese, other cracker. I realized in my older and more mature years, I'm going to show you the, the package, you're supposed to make it like this, which is like single cracker, meat, cheese, like an hors d'oeuvre. That's how they're meant to be eaten. Because as a child, I always thought, why is there an odd amount of meat and cheese, but not, you know what I mean? Because I would always have, of course. I would always get rid of the crackers, but have more meat and cheese. Like, this doesn't make sense. You're supposed to eat it like an hors d'oeuvre. One, two, three. So I eat it like an hors d'oeuvre. Stack it like that. One, two, three. That's growth. That's what that is. It is. It's maturity is what it is. Now, I'm not going to lie. We're in a dangerous spot right now. Why is that? Well, because I honestly don't know what's going on. And just riffing. Okay, yeah, well, because that's what I was going to say, which is if I don't know what's going on, then this is going to get off the rails pretty quickly. No, Steve said, hey, talk a little NFL, but I want to ask you about the 7-Eleven pizza and how it came out. My wa- Oh. My wife said, I don't want to dismerge. Well, we've given them enough free pops, so one personal opinion won't matter. Uh, she said it was trash. She said she didn't like it and that I'm going to have to try it myself. Now, my children like it, but my children, you know, I've caught them with, like, nails in their mouths when they were tiny. So uh, they'll eat anything at this point. I will be the final judge of this. You swear it's very good. I hear a lot of people think it's very good. I can't wait to try it. We got pe- we got basic pepperoni. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But the kids liked it though. I mean, yeah, but they're kids. Come on, like the, I don't you don't understand. They're children. They they their taste buds, their palates are not refined. I gave my kid a beautiful piece of ribeye steak like a week ago. He told me it was gross. I like that was the closest I've ever been to disowning him. And I've done a lot for that child. Spent a lot of money. It was a cl- I looked into his eye, and I was like, I just remember the day he was born. Remember how much you loved him. And we'll move on from this. We'll grow as a family. Not the case. All right, now we know we want to talk NFL. And I have besmirched the product on the field. I want to make it clear again. I do watch the National Football League, obviously. So I'm not going to act like a hypocrite and be like, I'm better than you. No, no, I watch it. I understand, and I see it. I just never really understood this standard that we hold it to every week that we're willingly watching this product unfold. DeMond, I'll put it this way, because we bet on it too. That's the other part. I watched last Sunday. I sat at Circa, and on the main screen was Jets-Giants with sound because people because people had money on it, and the, the game was ending. It was incredible. And, like, that quality of play, and it's like, yep, that's the National Football League, baby. I just I can't. So that's all. But this weekend is really big. Obviously, the most important and impactful one happens in Germany where the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins will face one another. And it is a very big litmus test for Miami because we have seen two instances now in which the Dolphins have gone up against the teams that you would theoretically think are their competition for winning a Super Bowl. Buffalo Bills in their division. Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC, and they have been mollywopped each time, romped. The Eagles game, as somebody who bet the Dolphins in that game, trust me, I watched. It was not close. They had that weird pick six that made it somewhat close, and that was it. Their offense never had, really had a shot. Offensive line injuries, I mean, against that Eagles front seven. Well, right, and that's, that's kind of my point of concern, right? It's 
when you have faced some of the good the, the, the good teams, the elite, we'll call them, the, you know, the Super Bowl contenders, the most important position outside of quarterback, your, your lines of scrimmage, offense and defense, but specifically your offensive line, it's been abused each time. So how does that translate now against Kansas City that I don't think is a very dominant defensive front? They have a dominant piece up front. But if you look at a lot of the defensive metrics for that line of scrimmage, whether it be adjusted line yards, other metrics, it, does, it paints a below-average picture of that front seven. So I think this is a game in which Miami should look a lot better than what they have in the previous two iterations of games against we'll call Super Bowl competition. So I do think they'll come out, and I think they'll be ready, and I actually think they're going to win the game. But it's a very, very big moment for them because if they go out to Mon and they suffer their third loss, but all three losses – are comfortably to the Chiefs, to the Eagles, to the Bills. I don't know how you take them seriously as a contender. I think that the excuses are built in for the people who want to still believe. Even in this case, you could say, hey, it's Germany. You can make an excuse maybe for the travel. But I know the, the Chiefs would have those same I was going to say, uh, you mean, like, <laughs> are they like playing digitally? Is like yeah. one team playing in Germany? Is our technology come this far? The Chiefs would also, yeah, they would have those same struggles. But <laughs> right. I think the excuse... You could still make the excuse, but I do. the excuses have to be gone with Jalen Ramsey now back on the defensive side as well. Yep. I'm looking at it, plus 110. What is this? I like what? a money line. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. What happened? Why is this? What is this? Wait, what, Demond the Gambler? Yeah, like where is this coming from? Like, I, like before the season started, we're getting articles like explaining point spreads, and now you're talking about betting the – Suns in game against the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, oh, oh. that fifteen dollars could have got me back two hundred five JVT. Oh my god, I was, I was ready. What were your What were your emotions like when they tied it? I was ready to hit a backflip. Were, te- were you spending the money already? <laughs> yes, because I had lost it already on Will Levis with the over on touchdowns. Got it. Hey man, that's what you do every time. Tell you this, I uh, I had that uh, that Texas Rangers World Series ticket. Go Rangers! By the way, shout out won the World Series. I hedged off a little bit, but got a pretty penny for it. Oh, Spider-Man 2 got downloaded the second that final pitch came in. <laughs> got that PS5 fired up, baby. I went out to a nice dinner last night, a local spot, but I wanted to see it, you know, you know, support local businesses. And I tipped very well because I thought. <laughs> you could thank Kevin Durant for this one. Yes. Is that what you told him? <laughs> Devin Booker almost had a triple-double. He was great. Did everything he could. By the way, I'm telling you this right now. You want to get into some gambling? Let's go. I, I got. Uh, I'm telling you this right now. Go look him up. I think he's still around 22 to one. Devin Booker's going to win MVP this year. That dude. He's played two games already. Only he has looked insane in the two games that he has played. I will tell you this right now, Devon. He finished fourth in MVP voting two years ago. Last year, he lost too many games, injury, so he didn't he didn't make the final. You know, card or whatever you want to call it. Didn't get any votes. Look at that guy play. I'm telling you, man. It's a big year for Devin Booker. I'm just throwing that out there. All right, but nobody wants to hear that because everybody's like, yeah, it's the NBA, it's too early. So let's talk about some some really good, some some high standard NFL games. Like the Cleveland Browns laying ten points to the Arizona Cardinals. This is the quality that we want. I'm doing it again. I can't be doing that. All right, let me go to an interesting one then. Where are you at? I know I paused there, but I, I'm just really interested in, in looking at this. Where are you at with Cincinnati? They've won now their last, what, three games? Joe Burrow statistically is starting to look more and more like Joe Burrow. The offense, after whatever weird funk, and Burrow wasn't fully healthy, has finally come back 
They're laying two against the Buffalo Bills. Joey, be back. I do think that Joe, I think he's back. There was one, there was one run where I saw the people, you know, the the film nerds on Twitter. No offense, but you know the people who break down the game where he ran for a first down. They said a couple weeks ago with that bad calf, he's not doing that. And I was like, yeah, yeah kind of right. And All the, right, let's, go ahead. No, go, no, you go ahead. All right, well, let's do this. Let's end this nightmare of a disjointed moment. Let's take a break. I'm going to run to Albuquerque really quick, fix the connection, and when we come back. I think we'll have Caleb Herring with us live from Albuquerque. We still haven't beaten COVID-19. Its new strain has caused an alarming increase in hospitalizations. Give superpowers to your family with updated vaccines from Pfizer-BioNTech or Moderna that reduce the risk of serious illness and hospitalization. Remember, you can vaccinate your children as early as six months of age. Check with your health care provider or visit immunizenevada.org and get them vaccinated. With health, there is life. This message is sponsored by Immunize Nevada, aired in cooperation with the Nevada Broadcasters Association and this station. Do more together this holiday in a new Chevy. Take on more adventure in the strong and capable Chevy Silverado. More confidence in the Chevy Equinox, winner of the J.D. Power Award for initial quality among compact SUVs, two years running. And more value in the all-new Chevy Trax with an available 11-inch diagonal touchscreen. Bring the holidays together in a new Chevy. See your Southern Nevada Chevy dealers. For J.D. Power 2023 U.S. Initial Quality Study Award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Sign up today for a new William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports account, and you can earn a $50 bonus on top of your original $50 or more deposit using promo code GET50. The William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app allows you to bet on the go from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device from anywhere in Nevada. Sign up today, and you'll never miss another bet. With the largest wagering menu, the Mobile Sports app features live in-play betting on all major sports. For more information and to see participating sign-up locations, visit williamhill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. C-A-P-T-A-I-N C-A-P-T-A-I-N Call the captain if you want to win I'm attorney Craig Drummond, a former captain in the U.S. Army and Iraq veteran. If you have been hurt, don't fight the insurance companies alone. Let me lead the fight for you. With my reduced fee guarantee, I guarantee that my attorney fee will not exceed the amount of money in your pocket. And I put that in writing. If you want to win, give me a call. Call 725-CAPTAIN today for your free consultation. Joe Seafood, prime steak and stone crab. The legendary seafood restaurant of Miami Beach is right on the strip to bring you a true dining destination serving usda prime steaks quality seafood and world famous florida stone crab claws defined by a standard of hospitality for over a century inside the forums at caesars joe's offers guests an experience that is perfect for lunch after work cocktails social gatherings to late night dining from private semi-private dining for both intimate and large party gatherings Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. All right, last few minutes on the program. Caleb Herring joining us from Albuquerque. Before we bring in Caleb, and I know Caleb will be down with this conversation too. Damon, I always love it when fans interact with the show. When listeners want to, you know, send their opinions in. <laughs> you get a, you got a text, huh? You got yeah. a text, want to get in on this uh, NBA conversation? What big listener, what big fan wanted to chime in? That would be our boss and program director, Q Myers, who said, <laughs> Booker's already missed multiple games, so what's the difference between last year? He's phenomenal. He's an injury. He played less than 60 games last year, Q. He's only missed three. It's only 3% of the season. 
but plenty of time. Thirty four games into the season, he's missed three games. Yeah, that's it. He's he suffered the injury. It happens. Remember too, what's going to open this up if he if he stays healthy? There is that minimum of sixty five games played. There's a lot of other guys who are going to suffer injuries too. Just watch out, man. It's only been three. It's only three games. So he's down to seventy eight games already. I mean, so he can only miss how many more games? I don't know. I'm not going to do math on the fly. You can do that. He can he can only miss twelve more games. I want I want to say now. That sounds light, but sure, we'll take it. Just watch out, my friend. I'm telling you. What you don't uh, Q? You don't talk about Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns on Raider R and R. Got to get some NBA talk going on over there. They like the Warriors. And the Lakers. Yeah, see, there you go. Caleb Herring is with us. Caleb, Devin Booker for MVP. What do you think? No. What? Don't take the bet. It's don't. ridiculous. I, it, I think it's if you. I don't. I haven't done the research on this, so don't quote me. But I, it's very hard to win the MVP when you share with another MVP. If that makes sense. Kevin Durant's on the roster, so it's going to be very hard for him to get the accolades of being the most valuable player if he has another most valuable player with him. So when he is hurt, the Suns are still a contender, right? Like because Kevin Durant is that good. So it's very hard. It's just like Steph and. KD. Like, Steph had, if he's alone, MVP-like numbers when Kevin Durant was there. But the league or the voters don't see it that way. You have too much help. It's very hard to win the MVP when there's a, a dynamic duo in effect. So, no. And we should start calling him street clothes because Anthony Davis gets way too much black for the amount of games he misses compared to Devin Booker. So, I'm just going to throw that one out Compa- there. Uh, if AD is not an MVP conversation, neither should Devin Booker. Oh, wow. I don't want to – I can't. My also, guy dropped – my guy dropped th- over 30 in the two games he's played so far. He's averaging in two games, in two games with KD, 31-7-10 on 57% shooting. We do not besmirch like the name of Devin Booker. I feel like you have to play more than two games to average anything. Like that you, you don't even start calling it an average until you play more than two games. So that doesn't – because if that's the case – MVP would have closed out that game last night. Yeah, Wimbenyama, what's his average? KD uh, lost like, all by himself the other night to the Spurs. You're, you're, you're proclaimed MVP, Caleb. Couldn't to, even handle Victor Wimbenyama. Ba- he couldn't box him out on Tuesday night. Wimbenyama walked right by him to put it back. Okay, find me anybody who can box out a 7-5 Frenchman. Find find that person. and, and then also, throw in But Kevin Durant's not the MVP. His mom's the real MVP anyway. I'm just saying, there's too much MVP floating around in Phoenix for anybody to get the credit. You don't get credit. Okay. We'll come back to you, this. You, you take second place. DeMond, pull this clip, please. All right, set this apart. And then when Devin Booker wins MVP later this year, I want to intro Caleb, who needs a new title, by the way, because he is no longer the last UNLV quarterback it. to lead them to a bowl. So we'll just we'll, we'll introduce him as Caleb Herring, man who doubted Devin Booker, who won the 2023-2024 MVP. Okay, so here, here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. You're so confident in Devin Booker. Who has the better odds to win the MVP of their respective league? Joe Burrow or Devin Booker? Uh, Joe Burrow does at this point right now. So I don't want to hear it because where is Joe Burrow as far as MVP runnings in the NFL right now? He's like sixth. I think it's fair, somewhere around there, because he hasn't played very so, well. So by your own logic, Devin Booker should be below sixth in the runnings to win MVP. I, but and my, my that rebuttal makes sense would, somehow mathematically. I don't know, but figure it out. I was going to say, but, but my rebuttal would be we've played 5% of the season compared to nearly 50% of the season for the NFL. We're, we're in uncharted territories because uh, okay. of that 5%, Devin Booker's only paid 5%. So he's not even remotely in the conversation for MVP right now. Speaking of playing 5%, I've only played 5% of Spider-Man 2. 
and you're a novice. I thought you were a hardcore gamer, man. I was I, count. I heard this during the other segment that you just downloaded the game. Yeah. I've beaten it and the side missions already. What's wow. Wrong with you? It's been out for like, well, here's the thing. So I'll admit to my nerd. I mean, I, I I'm sure there's a lot of people who barely play video games will probably make fun of me here too. I actually did buy a new game when it came out that week. You know what I've been playing? Tetris? Come on. See, you're the novice. You don't even know what else came out that week. Super Mario Wonder, the latest mm -hmm. in the last 20 years, the first Mario 2D game that's come out. It's been brilliant. It's been amazing. I can't put it down. I See, I, it's not for me. I haven't played it yet because there's two games that I've been wanting to play. The Assassin's Creed, Mirage, which is not done yet because that's a lot longer than Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man. And then I have to do what I do every NBA season, which is play out the Lakers season on 2K. And I have wow. to... I make my, my bets, if you will, on whether or not I beat the team on the computerized AI version. It's, it's just as good as a John Vaughn model for the NBA season. That's right. That's, that's my formula for my bets. If I'm betting on the Lakers, if I lose in 2K, the Lakers will lose in real life. That's just the way it goes. Have you played their game with the uh, – they, go, they got the Magic next, right? Have you, have you played their game yet? Yeah, so uh, D'Angelo Russell goes for 30 in that game. Okay. So put your money there. Damon, you're addicted to gambling now? Are you going to go run out and bet the uh, the D'Angelo Russell player prop over? 1,000%. I'll put five on it, Caleb. Caleb, in good faith, go. I'll put five on it. There you go. The odds on that have to be great, right? It's got to be a big payout. I'll tell you that much. Oh, it's got to be great. Absolutely brilliant. All right. Well, I guess we have to talk UNLV football. And not that we don't want to. They're in a great spot. Uh, I just like having conversations like this. Uh, so I asked Steve this earlier in the week, and I wanted to ask you, Caleb, in chatting with the team, chatting with with um, Odom, what has been your read on? Because one of the things that we've all been impressed by, and I'll speak for you because I think we've talked about this, has been his mentality coming out of wins. Like they're almost losses, right? Like you go in, you win the cannon, you beat them up, and the message coming out is like, man, that second half it wasn't it wasn't up to par. Like it, it, the messaging has been awesome, and and he's had them ready almost every single time. So what has been the messaging now? coming out of a loss that you probably should have won like how do you what's that dynamic like you know because that's kind of fascinated me with the way you've handled previous victories how then do you handle your locker room after a win that you probably shouldn't have because you don't want to get too down on them no i think he's handled it just about the way we have anticipated i think first of all coach odom is one of those guys who really is a straight shooter whenever he's talking how he speaks is how he feels and that's evident from the halftime interviews to post game uh, he's been very consistent, and I think winning as the standard as opposed to winning as something you're chasing, right? Like not winning is something he doesn't like to do. Um, so uh, with that being said, I think the way that he's handled it uh, in the press and in the media is exactly how he feels about it behind closed doors. And more importantly, it's exactly how the team feels about it. And it's interesting because every team kind of takes on the identity of their coach to some extent. Uh, you know, the, the Belichick Patriots were all grumps. They were all no fun right uh you look at Deion sanders and the buffaloes they it's all lights camera action it's prime time uh in boulder uh, boulder city so those are the kinds of things that i think the personality of the coach takes a hold of the locker room and i think it's no different with coach odom the the, the mentality has been all season we expect to win they've won enough as well to kind of get numb to the novelty of winning if that makes sense like mm -hmm. if you're a team that loses a lot then to get a win it feels good but if you get five wins in a row and go on a winning streak, literally, which is what the Rebels have done since week two, um, you get used to it. And I don't want to say you don't enjoy it because you do, but then you get accustomed to winning. And that's when the winning habit starts. So losing, whether it's against a good opponent or not, losing sucks even more. And you're eager to get that taste out of your mouth. And I think that's been 
sort of the tone with the locker room and with Coach Odom this week. And um, they've done a good job, I think, of preparing to to clear the mechanism of a loss and, and bounce back with another another conference win. Keep in mind as well, they they have a lot to play for. So like, sure, it's it's rare that a Rebel team at this point uh, in the season has something to play for in terms of you know jockeying for better bowl games or in contention for conference titles. That's still very much there. They're aware of that and maybe even more urgently aware of that because the margin for error is even slimmer now going forward. So I want to move on to New Mexico, but before we do, last question about that previous game. How do you think we should handle it in terms of media coverage? Because one of the things that we had brought up too when we talked about this on Monday that I want to get your thoughts on was I actually think they deserve criticism for the loss, but not because, like from a negative part, but for, for something that you mentioned. We're at the point now with this team that we should expect better, right? That we should expect the way that you have played, those are the losses that are unacceptable, but we're coming from the point of you have proven to us that you are a good team, that those are the things that you yourself would find unacceptable. So it comes, I think, as cross as fair as, no, we expect better of you. And it's not just Seneca McKee, obviously. It's the whole team. Yeah. You know, if you don't turn those ball over, you don't have that third quarter, then Seneca McKee's drop is not as impactful. But from a media standpoint, th- does it kind of bug you this all? Ah, oh, shucks, look at the Rebels. Like, no. That's an unacceptable loss. You guys are better than this. It absolutely should be the narrative. And I think that's kind of what the team wants. They're kind of begging people to say, no, expect better of us. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with kind of when you talk culture. I know that's a trigger word for a lot of people these days. But when you talk the culture of winning programs, the community is just as big a part of that. The expectations of success, I think, come with the territory of being a winner. They've reached that point. I think they've proved to us this year that they're worthy of that sort of uh, – criticism if that makes sense you have to earn that like the Detroit Lions not making the playoffs was not a big deal for the last 20 years right but now it might be if they don't make the playoffs if I say they fall short of winning the division this year it'd be a disappointment in the eyes of some fans and critics rightfully so they've earned that based on last season I think the Rebels based on this season have earned the right to say we expect to win and even further I will say that if you watch that game and break the game down not just a Seneca McKee drop, because everybody gets it. That was uncharacteristic. Right. But the Rebels had to play an unrecognizable brand of football for an entire quarter in order for Fresno State, the defending Mountain West champions, to beat them. That in and of itself, when you look at the game, it's like, wow, you should expect to win every game you play, especially here in the Mountain West Conference. So I think that's good for fans to feel like that. That's good that a team wants us to feel like that. And it's time to start covering wins and losses for UNLV on a more serious narrative. It's not, you know, oh, here we go again with you. No, that's not the narrative anymore. It's we should win, we expect to win, uh, and that expectation should carry over into this Saturday's game. So building on that then, New Mexico comes into this game, 123rd in opponent EPA per play, 90th against the run, 120, excuse me, 130th on opponent dropbacks. We should expect a pristine effort from this UNLV offense this week, should we not? I do, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be gaudy numbers. I don't think uh, the expectation should be 300 yards rushing, 250 yards passing. I think the expectation should be a clean brand of football that just looks dominant. Uh, I think it will be a statement game to get back to playing clean. I mean, again, just revisiting last week, they doubled up their turnovers on the season in a single game. Uh, Up until that point, they've been so good, top 10 in turnover ratio, uh, turnover margin on the season. So I think that the main priority is to just get back to playing clean football. Um, and I think that's what you'll see. And it, it may come in the form of a lot of yards, but I think it'll come in the form, more than likely, uh, in efficient possessions, whether it's moving the chains, 
steady dose of the run, obviously, and efficiency in the, in the pass game. I think also red zone efficiency, which took a hit last week because they had to go for it on fourth down to try to get touchdowns late in the game. Those situations, if they're in control, if they're managing the game the way they know how, they kick field goals and get points. And that's what I mean by the efficiency. They outgain Fresno. I expect them to outgain uh, New Mexico just based on the numbers. I think this team is going to try to have a bounce-back game. This is the first time really this season that they're going to be in this situation to have to bounce back. I think they respond. The New Mexico is an opponent that I think fits well as far as the matchup goes for them to get that done. When it comes to efficiency, and you can also speak to this being a former player, how much do you think that seeing a similar defense in practice is going to help UNLV when it comes to this game? That's, I think, an underrated part of this game because New Mexico, it's not the Rocky Long 3-3-5, but I think watching New Mexico in-game, they have a lot of similarities to the structure of UNLV and the way they try to create chaos at the line of scrimmage. Now, there's pros and cons to that because if New Mexico is good at it, if they you know, are assertive and, and can impose their will in the trenches, it could be problematic. But it's not going to be something that's unfamiliar. I think New Mexico playing most teams across the, con uh, across the conference, it's an unfamiliar territory. That 3-3-5 is, is an animal. It's a beast. Uh, but I think this coaching staff with, with Coach Shares, the defensive coordinator, Coach Odom, and his experience in the structure of it, kind of have a beat on that so I think it does help that this offense has seen it week in week out throughout fall and spring and they've already experienced the chaos and they're going to be a little bit more settled when they face that structure. Why have they been so good in the red zone UNLV? Well I think they're smart I think one you protect the ball um, you protect the points once you get them um, it helps to have a good running game down in the trenches because the field gets tighter and what a lot of teams try to do down there is try to take shots toward the end zone and the end zone passing-wise, becomes a lot easier to defend. Uh, the Rebels have a good run game, so they can lean on that still as far as they get, as close as they get to the red zone. Now, it didn't work out uh, last week because they just couldn't punch it in from inside the five. But uh, also adding to that, they have a really good kicker. They have a kicker that's money in the bank when you get him inside the 35-yard line. He's pretty much been 100%. I, I mean, I think he has one miss on the season, a doinker off the, off the upright. Um, but they are not afraid to take the points. And I know the analytics out there would say, they should go for it more. They should go for touchdowns more. But, I mean, their formulas work, and they're being efficient in the red zone. Ending every series with a kick, I think, is, is, is what's helped them. But also, their offense is just efficient. I think they've done a good job, again, with the ground game. Most of their touchdowns in the red zone, most of their touchdowns on the season have come uh, on the ground. So uh, that definitely helps a lot when you talk about finishing drives in the end zone. All right, Caleb, 10 seconds. What's the final score? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going 34-17. Uh, All right, like it. Caleb over there in Albuquerque. Caleb here will be on the broadcast. We want to be football. Good to talk to you, bud. Make sure you check that out with Russ Langer this weekend here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM.